Welcome to 20 Minute Tabletop, a podcast sharing the love of all things tabletop gaming in bite-sized pieces. I'm your host, John Wiki, here today with my co-host, Stevie. Breaking news. We need to save the city from alien invaders. They're at the mall, the farmer's market, and even the school. Do you have what it takes to save the day? Join us as we play Last Defense. What is Last Defense? Well, let's turn to the back of the box. Careful, don't spill it. You are the city's last defense. This exciting, easy-to-learn cooperative game plays in 20 minutes every time. Team up to save the city from the monstrous threats before they overrun your defenses. So let's start with our first impressions. I really liked that this had that like vintage alien movie feel in a board game. Frantic fun for fighting fiendish foes. It was quite an alliteration there. Thank you. So let's talk the start and setup of the game. First and foremost, you're going to need their app to run and time the game. Now, the app is more than just a timer. It actually has a function within the game. And one of the things that I find amusing about it, we'll go into it in a little bit, is it continues that vintage alien movie feel as you're playing. Yeah, it's definitely much more than a timer. Then you need to set out the board and you choose your character and their figure to go with it. You'll mix up the tokens face down, both rubble and scientists. They'll get added to the board throughout the game. You put down your threat tiles and their movers. You shuffle the tools and launch the app to start the attack. Now, I will say that the app does have a how to play, how to set up video that is also very comprehensive. So if you're a visual person, it might be easier to go step by step with the app through setting up rather than reading the directions in the box. That's just my two cents on that. Though, as we learned, when you start and it lays out the beginning spots for the monsters, if you go back to check the directions, it will then restart if you haven't actually started the game. Yeah, it'll change the locations of them. So if you click to start the game and it gives you the initial starting locations for the rubble and the aliens and whatnot, if you exit that for any reason, it'll restart it, which can shift your game. Let's talk to the mechanics about how to play the game. You play unlikely heroes who have to save your city from threats, including spider robots, giant tentacles, sentient plants, space aliens, and even a junk blob. The base of the game is you take your turns as quickly as you can, race against that clock to find and rescue the scientists to solve the crisis before the city is destroyed. Everyone takes their turns one at a time, but obviously the faster you go, the better the game is because it's timed. So what you'll do on your turn is you roll two dice. One is a tool dice, one is a move dice. You draw the number of tools based on the number on that die, and you can move up to the number on the move dice. When you end on a space with rubble, you flip it over. That token will tell you the tools you need to remove the rubble and get to the scientist who's trapped underneath. So you discard tools to clear the rubble and reveal the scientist. If you reveal the scientist, you add them to your character card. If you're on the same spot as another player, you can trade to be able to give or take a tool once per turn. So this can be really useful to hand off a tool to somebody else if they have one of the two tools you need for a scientist. If you hand them off one of your tools, they can on their turn move to the next scientist and try and unlock it. So it's good for giving what you need to other players, but also if somebody doesn't have five tools, you can give them some of your so your tools don't get lost when you have to discard down to five. So at the beginning of the game, the app announces five locations where there are scientists and rubble. 
As the game progresses, the app will stop to announce threats that appear or move. So this will add the threat, but at that same location, it also adds another rubble pile and a scientist. So if you're on that spot when the alien moves or lands there, you lose any scientists you have, and your token gets moved to the rest area. And it's really cool when it adds those monsters or move them because, like you said, it keeps that feel of an all-time movie because it gives them like it's breaking news breaks and talking about reporting of where this monster was seen or where this new monster came to. So it's really cool in that it really adds to the atmosphere of the it's more than just a timer. The game is all about getting the tools to free the scientists and the scientists to defeat the threats. Once you get the required scientists, you bring them back to the plaza based on a threat that will allow them to defeat the threat. But as you're moving around, anytime you go back to plaza, you basically drop off any scientists, which will allow you not have to lose them if a monster lands on you in the future. And then once they're there, they can defeat any of the monsters. Yeah, and each threat has a combination of two types of scientists that can help defeat it. So one of the strategies we found to be helpful is, you know, when you get a scientist, bring them back to the plaza so that they can be there to defeat the monster. And another note is that there are five in this game, but the standard game only uses four of them, which also means that you may get scientists that aren't necessarily helpful if that fifth requires that scientist that you've picked up that you don't really need. So I have to ask, do you think this is a coordinated, albeit poorly, attack on the city by the monsters? Like, you have all these monsters attacking within 20 minutes in one city, but like, Maybe Frank the Tentacles and Jeff the Junk Blob are just always so late. You told them 10 minutes early, but Frank showed up on time and Jeff was still late. And that's why they're all like attacking at exactly the same time. No? You, you, you're asking, does any vintage alien movie actually make sense? And they have all the scientists needed to defeat those monsters here in the city. So are they trying to strike to take out the scientists? They do all get buried in the rubble. Or is the plan just that bad that they chose the exact wrong city to attack? Again, think about vintage alien movies and how wackadoodle they are. I know, but this is coordinated. Like, I want, I want the backstories to the monsters. I want to know why Jeff the Junk Blob is coming here to attack. I appreciate that you named them. So, clearly I enjoy the game. Why don't we talk about both our enjoyment of the game? Sure. I enjoyed this game. I like the time nature of you versus the threats. It gives the right amount of pressure to add a dimension to the fun of otherwise just find the threat and defeat it. You sometimes have to decide whether to strategize or just go, 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 like run through your turns as fast as you can. When it was you and I, it was a little easier because it was just two people to coordinate. We were kind of of the same mind of how we approach the problem. I can imagine when you have five people playing, there's probably more of that, just take your turn, just take your turn to try and get tools into people's hands and get rubble flipped over so that you can get people moving around the board to clear that, as opposed to having the luxury of having fewer people where you can create a strategy. Yeah, I think it adds a nice element. Like I said, with two people, it was kind of a little easier because you could take your turns more often. With more people, sure, you have more people that can go more directions, but it's longer between your turns. So I think it has a night balance between the two of still being fun. Now, the kids, however, did not like the pressure of the timer at all. But you can't play it without the timer because that's what makes the monsters come in. Right. And 
I want to point out that the game is for ages eight and up, so it's not the complexity of the game or the mechanics that was their issue. It's purely the pressure of the timer. And we've talked about other games where we have timers like Five Minute Dungeon and so on, where we are able to opt to not use it to take some of the pressure off. But in this game, like you said, there's no option to do that because you need the app to announce the monsters. Some ways you could potentially eliminate this is to just either hide the timer, put it behind, you know, a book or something, or pause it and then let it play for a while. Like once you've had several turns, have the next monster pop up, hit pause for a little bit in order to relieve some of that pressure if you have a player or a kiddo who feels pressured by timed things. I really like the background music that the app provides while the timer is ticking down. I think it makes you feel more like you're in that vintage alien movie. And that was one of the huge pluses for me when it came to the app is that it wasn't just the timer. It wasn't just, oh, okay, here comes the other monster. It's like the immersive quality of it. And really fitting that old school monster movie-ish style is the art style. Throughout the map, the cards, the token, they all fit in that style that feels like it comes from that kind of old school drive-in movie poster style for those old monster movies. Yeah, and they definitely nail it on the unlikely heroes. I mean, their unlikely heroes include a dad straight from the backyard grill, a soccer-playing youth, or even a good boy doggo. There's also the on-call nurse, teen skateboarder, and a construction worker. So it, again, the tropes are there, but they're clever. And the nice is they're not mechanically different about them, other than where you start in the map. So you start in the area for your character. So the construction worker starts at the construction site. Other than where you start, there's no mechanical difference. So you can be whoever you want to be without the trade-off of, well, I want to be this person because I like their ability. No, just pick who you want to be to be in things. It's not important. They're all unlikely heroes. Right. They don't have like, this person can do this special thing. It's just, that's who you are. There's no sort of bonus to picking a specific character. Okay. I got more backstory here that I'm going to interject here into this game. If you guys want to add it to the actual game, just let me know. I have to call out, I think the construction worker has the best jobs in the game if they win. Because think about it. Right now, there's one construction site. But every monster produces rubble to bury the scientists they're under. So he's going to have work for the foreseeable future. The whole city's going to become a construction site for him. It's going to become rich. I love how much thought you've put into adding to the backstories of these characters and these aliens from a simple board game. Oh, you want to go one step further? I asked why they attack this city that has all the scientists to stop them. Mm-hmm. Construction worker, inside double agent, convinces all these monsters to attack the city, knowing that they can stop it because they have all the scientists here, but increasing his future earnings tenfold. I literally have no words. This is, this is clever and very world-buildy, and I don't think it's a shock to anyone that you are a tabletop RPG player. This is what happens when you leave me way too long between the game and when we actually record the episode. Actually, no, this is just me playing the game too much. I was going to say, probably just from you playing it so frequently and me giving you time to think. I also like trading the tools. So it's a fun thing. And it comes in more often when you have multiple people. You know, with two of us, it's like, I can give you this and you go get them next turn. But maybe if I have it, I'll just get there on my next turn. But when you have four people, five people playing, 
it's a lot more advantageous to hand off the tools to get the tools to the right people. Now, you can only do it one per turn, so it's not like you can give two things to a person, but you can chain that to get across the map because the map is spread out and it's like different nodes, but they're all connected in certain ways. You can't always go to the right or the left. Sometimes you got to go down and left to go that direction. So the way you connect it and move around, sometimes you have to move a little further. So handing off a tool to get it there can really work well. Right. For being a city, there's lots of locations and lots of pathways, but everything is not interconnected, which, again, this is a poorly designed city, if that's the case, I guess. We're going to go into weird backstory. Maybe it's D.C. and nobody knows how to get around. Look at a D.C. map sometime. It's confusing. I definitely feel like it was a lot more chaotic when we played with four people, not just because the other two people were our children. Uh, when we got this game, what, a year and a half ago, they were significantly younger and not quite as strategy focused. But I could even see with four adults how I can get chaotic because you're trying to do several things on your turn, right? You got to roll, you got to move, you got to pick up tools, you got to trade tools and potentially discard and clear. So you have five to six things to do or think about on your turn. And if you're trying to also move rapidly to beat the timer, I could see how this could turn into almost like a New York Stock Exchange-esque, hey, I got this, I got this, I'm going to switch it. Especially if you have competitive individuals, such as myself, who are like really trying to beat the game as fast as you can, which is limited, obviously, by how much time you have between monster announcements, which can vary anything from I've seen, like I've paid attention to the timer a bit, They were anywhere from three minutes apart to like five minutes apart. And you have to get all four. But I don't foresee that as a problem. But I could see how with four competitive adults, this could get really, really loud and chaotic very fast. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just a style of gameplay. Not even having to be competitive. I think just adding more people adds that chaos. Because there are even a couple times where I'm sitting there holding the dice, waiting for you to finish what you're doing. So I go, are you done? Are you done? So I can roll? Because like, I'm just itching to go. And I consider that if you had that going around between four people, like waiting to take your turn, because like I've got what I need if I can get over there in time, but I need to not get landed on by a monster before I can get there. Like I can see how it would add that to that chaos. Not even being super competitive, just the nature of the game to try to get through this with all this going on. I think it really lends itself. Like I think it adds in a good level of chaos by having more people involved. And I like that about it. And nothing is more tropey than chaos during an alien invasion. I'm just saying, like, this is is very, very well done on all fronts. Let's discuss that length of play. So yeah, the length of play is 20 minutes. It's a timed game. That's the most it'll give you. And if you don't win in 20 minutes, you lose. So it's very upfront of how long it's going to take. It does not take long to set up. It's mostly just dividing everything out. So even the setup is only like five minutes ahead of time to sort things and shuffle it. The game is for two to six players. As we mentioned, it'll probably get pretty frantic with six players, which I would love to try and see taking with six players, all trying to take the turn. And I think the chaos of that would be pretty awesome. So I would like to see what that's like, but you got to get that. It plays well with two people and it just, it'll work with all those. Yeah. And I definitely think it has excellent replayability because You have the randomness of the app determining where the rubble is to begin with and what monsters land or move to what locations throughout the game. So it isn't determined by a shuffle or by, you know, a die. It's determined by the app, which I'm sure has some sort of random generator algorithm to make it different every time. And if you add in that extra monster too, 
if you eliminate the monsters early like we did, it's a little easier. But if they stick around, you have multiple monsters bouncing around, it can obviously get more and more chaotic because as they move, it can land on you and reset you, and then you got to recollect. So it definitely has that aspect of it can go from bad to worse real quick. Yeah, and there's also a more difficult version on the app as well, and they give you the option to choose which version of the game you'd like to play when you start. You know, you say new game, and then it'll ask you, do you want sort of the standard or do you want the more difficult? So let's talk final thoughts. John? I think it has that quirky, fun feeling of a movie that doesn't take itself too seriously. For sure. I love seeing ordinary people save the world from aliens, you know, in our little tropey, kitschy movies. And this has that same vibe. I'm your host, John Wiki, and you can find me on Twitter as John underscore Wiki. That's W-I-C-K-E-E. And now on threads as John underscore Wiki underscore games. And I'm Stevie, and you can find me on social media at Stevie's underscore games. Twenty Minute Tabletop is a Morecore Studios production. Theme song by Arthur Rowan. Morecore art by Cita Duncan. Do you want more tabletop gaming fun? Subscribe to Twenty Minute Tabletop on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Like what you hear? Leave us a review while you're there, or tell a friend. Find out more on our website, 20minutetabletop.com. That's the numbers 20mintabletop.com. Or connect with us on Twitter, threads, and Instagram as at 20mintabletop. At 20mintabletop. Thank you and roll with fortune. you've clearly well, given them all names. Frank the Tentacles, obviously, I already mentioned. Spider-Robot? Sammy. And the sentient plants clearly are going to be named Audrey. Yeah, Audrey 3. Audrey 3. Makes sense. Makes sense. Thank you. Thank you. I have saved the world.